Welcome to Upbringing, where Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers parents to grow up alongside their kids for sanity and social change. Through this podcast, speaking and coaching, we focus on our personal work as parents, the awareness, intention, and approach needed to raise amazing humans while we also get some shit done. Join us to radically redefine kids' resistance as an opportunity to nurture skills and values like consent, nonviolent communication, emotional intelligence, body positivity, and respect. We attempt this by practicing powers beyond control, evidence-based tools that protect our kids' personal freedoms, support their skill building, and better align with how we roll as people. To us, this is the practice of parenting, when we can choose trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection. We're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. We'd like to wrap 2020 with weekly live Q&A sessions here on the podcast. So after this brief intro, you'll hear the audio from our latest live Instagram Q&A. Our live sessions are so much fun. We basically Mm -hmm. show up and connect, commiserate, and build skills alongside our upbringing community. Folks write in ahead of time or chime in with questions and struggles around kids' big feelings and challenging behaviors. We typically explore five to 15 questions and offer our take, our instincts, our goals, helpful phrasing, and ways to parent with alignment and integrity using our resist approach. Thank you for being here and for supporting us. And if you'd like to give your family and upbringing some extra support this holiday season, please visit our website at upbringing.co to learn about our upcoming membership community, as well as our shop, which is now full of informative guides and inspiring prints based on everything we've shared here on the podcast these past two years. Wow. Two years. (laughs) Thanks for growing up alongside us one conversation at a time. Here we go. This is Kelty. We're upbringing. Uh, <laughs> we're live at five-ish uh, to talk about discipline, but in a fun way. Yay! It's yes. going to be okay. It's <laughs> going to be fun. Um, we're here to talk about the ways we can practice powers beyond control and our discipline with our kids. All those hard moments, those tricky moments with the big feelings and challenging behaviors that we can be basically parenting in alignment. We don't have all the answers, but we're looking for them. That's what alignment seeks. Uh, seeks is is that connection between our ideals and our practice as parents. When we want to lose our shit and punish them, put them in timeout, give them consequences, and what else do we do? We, we shame them. Yeah, we, we look lecture. disappointed. All things is, that are so normal, and I think that that's the beauty of, of this idea and this approach that we um, talk about so much at Upbringing is finding alignment for our particular family. Mm-hmm. There's no right answer. There's no wrong answer. We just know, and, and gaining that awareness, we learn to feel th- our way through these interactions with our kids, remembering that the challenges are opportunities, right? To build their skills, mm-hmm. to build our skills, right? Yeah. To, to elevate our connection, right? Yeah. All of those things that are really important. They're an investment, right? What a load off, though, when the day we realized that we didn't have to be parenting through this toolbox of control that we've all been culturally conditioned to believe is how to teach a kid right from wrong, good from bad, um, clean from dirty, right? Respectful very, from rude. All, very binary thinking. All that binary yeah. thinking and there are other ways. That's why we call them powers beyond control. A resist approach, which you can download on our website, is basically a loose six-step model that we use to just have a conversation human to human with our kids so that they learn to do that also. Right. Type us something, everybody. Mm-hmm. We would love to expand on five to 15 Q&As. That's mm-hmm. what we tend to do. Um, so type us your questions. We can go into some DMs we had from folks mm-hmm. earlier, uh, but we want to prioritize you who are here listening mm-hmm. uh, and maybe struggling with something that you want us to explore. Yeah, it could be infant to, to early teen. Yeah. You know, just what's going on that you want to issue consequences or punishments or you're stressing about, mm-hmm. um, really. And we want to do a quick disclaimer, too, that we're not doctors, we're not therapists. We're recommending these things from our own experience and our trainings uh, and our our lives, um, mm-hmm. what we know, what we feel uh, to be true and to be right in the respectful, conscious parenting realm. Yes, there's so much research out now, which yeah. is so amazing, and that informs our approach 100%. Yeah. Also, right? these conversations are explicit. So if you're with your kids, maybe just pop a little earbud in if you want. La, la, la. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and we also want to acknowledge our privilege really quick. We are cis, white, 
straight, able-bodied, privileged women here talking about this stuff. And it's not just an opportunity, talking about all these hard things, but we view it as a responsibility to be interrupting and dismantling these these systems of oppression that really can trickle into the way that we interact in these disciplinary moments with our kids. Um, We want to stop those cycles. We want to break those cycles that say a family is a hierarchy, like so many other institutions, right? Me before you. Respect goes up the chain, right? And feedback goes down the chain. And we're saying, let's just all be humans. Let's just all interact in a respectful, loving way, led by us, the parents, knowing and trusting that that's going to seep into the people below us. The more we respect, the more respect we give, the more we're going to get, right? Mm -hmm. Someone says, how do I respect my child's choice for their body when they don't want to comply with vaccines, dentist, other necessary medical stuff? Hey, Blair. That's a great question. <clears throat> yeah, that's a tough one, especially right now. I mean, when medical care is really critical, when that hand washing needs to fucking happen, mm-hmm. right? Everything is elevated, the stress and the importance. And so I think that it's really easy for us to use that control toolbox and fall back on that immediately and to stress the importance with our kids and to just really easily fall into that kind of control approach that we've all been raised with. It comes so naturally and instinctually to us, right? Mm-hmm. But what we, I think we wanna do when our child is struggling to get the shot, to go to the doctor, to do those things, is remember that instead of upping our control game, right, we wanna up our connection game. So we always talk about connection over control, trust over fear, progress over perfection. But in this case, the Connection over control is that's how you influence people. It's not through controlling them, right? We have to remember the best bosses out there, the best uh, influencers, quote unquote, the best thought leaders and change makers and teachers, they all led through connection, through influence, not through fear, right? And control. Right. So our kids will learn to trust us, right? When we use connection, they learn to fear us when we use control. And I think it's really tricky because when we're doing this medical stuff with our kids and being like we have this shot coming up, there's a lot of anxiety. There are a lot of conversations that need to happen. So you were talking about, you mentioned your child's freedom to, um, to choose. To it's choose. about consent so much, right. right? And so much. And so it's so great that you're considering that right now and thinking, wow, my kid's body is their body. I need to um, engage in these these medical interventions really, really sensitively to make sure we're respecting their body and teaching them that they have agency over their body, right? Mm-hmm. We want them to grow up and say, I don't know about that medical procedure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to know more information. Um, I'm not so sure about this rule or this thing. I I, I need to feel connected to well, it to want to do that's it. That's not working for me in my body or my timing right. or, the, or my beliefs or the information I have. I need more connection, more agency, mm-hmm. uh, more autonomy, more personal control mm-hmm. um, to have that sense of trust that what you're doing, grown up, doctor, whoever it is. With authority um, and power right, over Is in me. my best interest and in something that I can give consent to. Right. So I think that we would just work that connection game, Mm -hmm. really slow down the process of an upcoming doctor appointment, an upcoming shot, an upcoming uh, nose wipe, Mm -hmm. (laughs) an upcoming uh, tooth brushing, all of those things that they have the information, they have a sense of agency over it. So giving them options about it, letting them explore it, letting them feel through it so that the freedom to feel, not just the freedom to know and the freedom to choose, it's also Mm -hmm. the freedom to feel all of these uh, freedoms that Kelty and I've identified and that you can download on our website. Um, they all kind of connect and intersect in a lot of these ways. So I would look at that freedoms model and think, where can I be supporting their freedoms in this, in this area that's going to help them allow me to support their, their medical stuff? Mm-hmm. I hope that helps a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and I think that, that the number one thing that we would do in those, in those um, moments is run a resist approach. Try to be that smooth communicator, mm-hmm. a smooth operator that's like, I have an agenda here, but I'm not going to come out with that right away and be like, here's my agenda, child, you must comply, which is so natural for us yeah. to just be like, here we go. Here's my concern. Here's what I need. You need to do it now. Or if this thing's going to happen, you're gonna, it's not going to be that bad. It'll be fine. Just mm-hmm. do it. Right. The medicine doesn't taste bad or the shot won't hurt. It's going to be so fun. Whatever. I'm going to jolly up about it. Or we'll get this thing, this incentive afterwards. Right. right? I think that that's what we would recommend to give the information ahead of time, freedom to know. Right. Give them agency and option, freedom to choose. Mm-hmm. Give them um, a way to emote, freedom to feel and to speak, freedom to to speak, to say, I didn't like that or I don't want that. or mm-hmm. Not when they are looking like this mm-hmm. or that nurse seems curt. This happened my, when my daughter sliced yeah. her nose open a few months ago, like open, open. Mm-hmm. And we were at the ER for eight hours because she didn't like the look of this one nurse or she wasn't quite ready yet to get the 
the um, kind of muscle relaxer that she needed to get her face sewn up. It took a long time and it was a lot of um, consent-based respectful parenting. The people there were really frustrated with us. We were working it yeah. and she's gonna remember that. Right? But how can you create collaboration around mm -hmm. consent? What can be on their terms? What has to be on your terms? Where can you really get creative and innovate around that? That's the innovate step we have. So your child feels like you're side by side with them and you're not one more authority figure as a proxy to the doctor that that's increasing their stress. This has to happen. Right. Right. If we can not lead with this has to happen, that would be a big start. Yeah. Connection over control. Someone says, any advice for trying to respond respectfully to someone else's kids who I live with? I have a 10 month old and love um, live with a single mom with a four and six year old. She wants to change her communication, but yells a lot and uses threats and mm -hmm. shame. Beyond talking to her, is modeling respectful communication the best I can do? Mm. I think so. This really reminds me of mm -hmm. our Caregiver Clashes podcast episode and a lot of posts that we've done, which are also for sale in our quick visuals guide. Um, Caregiver Clashes is one of the biggest questions we get from people saying, my partner is not on board. Why do I have to prove this to them that this respectful parenting thing is the right thing to do and, and more effective also in a lot of ways and feels better to all of us? And where can yeah. that conversation begin? Is it just from modeling like this person who's writing in says? Maybe starting out that way. That could be a great way to begin all the way to taking them to therapy if that's a partner or a mother-in-law or someone who's a consistent caregiver or somewhere in the middle and make that an experimentation. If I'm gonna start with the smallest thing, I'm gonna see how that's playing out. Mm -hmm. Then I'm gonna be maybe a little more explicit and say, you know, I read this thing or this thing's worked for me, or I wanna tell you this amazing story of my daughter was doing this and all of a sudden this, or I read this crazy thing the other day, can I send you that article? Or in moments that you're with those, that four and six year old, which I'm sure are plentiful, especially around a 10 month old, they're probably all up in that little baby's squidge in an amazing <laughs> way. You can be that amazing model who's who who's saying, oh, yeah, you want that. Oh, you didn't like mm -hmm. that, that she this. Right. Or oh, maybe we're all needing a little bit of space. Or I'm starting to feel a little bit frustrated. I'm going to step out just for one second. Who wants to come with me? Mm -hmm. Or I'm going to pick up the baby and we'll be right back because mm -hmm. it seems like everyone needs a little <clears throat> bit of space. We're all struggling. Maybe we need a little fresh air. Yeah, I right? mean, chances are when our partners or mother-in-laws or roommates are mm -hmm. parenting in a way that doesn't feel great to us, there's a, a chance that it probably doesn't feel great to them either. Mm -hmm. And so I think that we have to keep remembering that the way we're going to engage with them and maybe making change or connecting in some ways is through that connection. Again, connection mm -hmm. over control. So it's not about the information. It's about the, the possible transformation they can have in feeling good and connected about it and feeling mm -hmm. receptive to any information or influence you might have over them. Yeah. So again, getting side by side with that roomie and being like, how is it? Oh, I hear you. Oh, you've got I'm the older kids. You. That must be so oh, hard. Oh my gosh. You know, yeah. and, and begin that narrative and that connection and storytelling which can then really lend mm -hmm. itself to them being like, I'm not threatened by this other person who has maybe more information. But or, less experience with older kids. Yeah, we wish you the best. Yeah. There was something else I was gonna say. Yeah. What am I gonna say? Yeah, oh, and anything you can take off her plate. Because mm -hmm. we have, I have a four and six year old. It's really <laughs> fucking hard. <laughs> so if you can just take one of them out of the room, if she's stressed yeah. and you can tell she's getting into yelling territory, mm -hmm. shaming territory, She'd be like, hey, can I grab her to come with me in the baby real mm -hmm. quick? Yeah, like, and you can always load. say another time or circle back with her, which mm -hmm. is in our trust step. You can say, hey, when that happens, mm -hmm. like, I hear you getting overboard or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. you, and you're like, so ready or whatever. So, oh. like, I'm always happy to help if it helps. Like, I've read, you know, like separating them and getting some space and them feeling secure can help. So, what can I do to help? If you're willing to do that, only if you yourself are willing to do so. I think yeah. that that's a huge part. And that's part of the respect step is knowing our own personal boundaries with that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Someone says, do you guys have any particular resources for quote, highly sensitive children? I would love to share with my hubby or read or listen to. Yes, we are all about highly sensitive children. Yeah. Absolutely. Because guess what? All children are, are sensitive. Mm -hmm. And then there are some that are very highly sensitive. Absolutely. Yeah. Mine yeah. Mm -hmm. too. Yeah. Hannah's. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, it's so, a spectrum. It is, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I think that most of the parenting resources out there, um, they cater to every child. But it really is about highly sensitive children tend to be like, ding, ding, excuse me, I need a little more support. So yeah. parents are like, oh, shit, I got to up my game fast. Yeah. So the highly sensitive child is written by, is it on our shelf right here? Uh, yeah, it's right here. Let me grab it. <clears throat> 
I would recommend before Kelsey recommends hers. I have just been loving Mona Delahook, mm, who Beyond wrote Behaviors. Beyond Behaviors, and she talks about it through a lens of highly sensitive mm -hmm. kids who've been um, diagnosed with like ADHD, autism, but truly any sensitivity um, disorder where they're sensitive to touch, smell, sight, sound, just more highly emotional, struggle to um, to calm their nervous system, to go mm -hmm. from a state of arousal to a state of calm, mm -hmm. right? Those are all signs of kind of uh, a little bit more of a sensitive um, disposition. Yeah, but it is such a spectrum. I think everyone here listening, um, and we're getting some other comments too, can identify uh -huh. moments that their child, whether can can be categorized as uh, the temperament of highly sensitive or mm -hmm. not. It's really a checklist of a lot of things and people fall on that spectrum. Um, can identify with the, the struggle of having yeah. a kid who's a little bit more anxious or going through a period where they're more anxious, mm -hmm. who's who's uh, more affected by sounds, smells, tastes. A lot of those are developmental stages. Um, a lot of those are, are more inborn, right? Who maybe has um, trouble with transitions, mm -hmm. right? A little bit more than other kids or who has trouble with frustration tolerance, really gets frustrated Gosh, the at sock things. the sock and the seam, it just is not lined it. up, or the project I wanted to do won't tape a certain way, right. and it's so hard. Maybe who has more physical sensitivities about textures and, and or flavors or mm -hmm. um, smells or light. There's so many different uh, areas. So this is The Highly Sensitive Child by Elaine Aaron. It's mm -hmm. a really great book. Um, and I think she also wrote The Highly Sensitive Adult, mm -hmm. which I haven't, actually, I did. I did, and I gave We to are my highly cousin. sensitive adults. <laughs> to, my, yes. to my cousin, and, and that's really tricky. A highly sensitive adult raising a highly sensitive child. You know, I yeah. mean, it's difficult no matter what. But it's like, oh my gosh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so and then who I else? Read. Any other sensitive, highly sensitive resources? Um, I think there are some Instagram accounts out there for highly mm -hmm. sensitive parents. Mm -hmm. um, I know that Empath to Power mm -hmm. is a podcast that we were interviewed on. Um, and Lola Pickett. Lola talks a lot about uh, sensitive empath types, not not just in the parenting, but outside the parenting. Um, we've done a couple <clears> episodes. <throat> we did an interview with Taylor Sterling about sensitive and spirited kids. That was a really great one. Mm -hmm. um, but we're happy to talk about sensitive kids anytime. I think that basically the resist approach is what we use for for any child who's a little bit more feeling a little bit more stable and a little bit more flexible to, to all the way to the kid who's really struggling to mm -hmm. comply with the expectations and demands that we need to to put on them sometimes yeah. um, and asks us to ultimately question those demands. Mm -hmm. Do we need to do that right now? Does it have to be said in this way or can we be a little bit more sensitive? Mm -hmm. Can we instead of having a sensitive child or a spirited child meet them with here's what you need to do. I'm upping my expectations to here. Can we meet a sensitive or spirited child with more sensitivity mm -hmm. and more nuance and more love and more care? <clears throat> we have a, um, a family we're coaching with right now who have a sensitive child and it's really hard. It, there's so much fear involved in thinking I cannot meet this child sensitively because how are they going to become resilient? How are they going to survive in the real world? If I'm being so coddly and sensitive to them all the time, it's mm -hmm. a really uh, backward way of thinking to realize what the research shows is that supporting a kid's nervous system, helping calm them and regulate them consistently as much as possible those early years, and then also helping them build coping skills, right? So Emotional not, coping skills. So they're not ultimately at war right. with their with their nervous systems as they age. That's what's gonna equip them to succeed and behave and adaptively in the world, meet their needs because they're aware of their needs, right? We can't bring the expectations of the world into our home and put them on our child. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, putting a, a little seedling out in the, the frost to, and say, mm -hmm. well, it's gotta learn the, the way the real world is if it's gonna survive. No, you wanna coddle it and, and help it build its strength and understanding, get its mm -hmm. roots down, right? It's like a little incubator. Yeah. That's how we try to look at our homes for sure. Absolutely. Someone writes, my four-year-old and five-year-old sons at times get super hyper and start running and giggling. How can I help them calm down? Oh, I hate those giggles. Those are those like hyper giggles. So because my kids are spirited and sensitive, both of them, I'm able to deal with the big feelings and the splashy hard behaviors like way more of a pro than I am with the kind of like loosey, wily. giggly, wily, like <laughs> it's so loud and it's like what's going to fall over and break and what are they running past that's going to hit and what kind of quote unquote misbehavior is about to happen. It's unpredictable. Yeah. yeah. It's so much harder for me mm -hmm. and other people are like, whatever, they're wrecking the house, but I can't take this whining. Mm -hmm. it's, it's so interesting learning everyone's triggers and being, yeah. you know, thinking about that stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that it's really hard to believe that excitement and kind of wiliness is a form of stress behavior. Mm -hmm. So I think we think when our kids are whining or melting down or really angry, even that's hard to remember. Oh, that's stress. 
That's the way their four-year-old, five-year-old, six-year-old, two-year-old, ten-year-old body is expressing an under a discomfort inside themselves and trying to get that out and re-regulate, like simplify, soothe their nervous systems. Mm -hmm. And so that hyper uh, energy, <clears throat> I think that's why I feel so uncomfortable because it looks, there's a dissonance between how it looks. It looks happy, but it feels so wrong and weird. <laughs> and it's because they're uncomfortable inside mm -hmm. sometimes. So that's often why that happens. And so I would just work on soothing their nervous system. I would lean into that shit because mm -hmm. you can't shut it down because then it's double stored in their down. bodies. I would double down on it by creating a little circus situation where they're getting their, their, their wiggles out, doing mm -hmm. flips, doing turns, doing all these things, whatever they're, they're showing you. So I would let them guide you. What are they doing? Are they yeah. climbing? Find some way for them to climb the shit out of your house in a safe way mm -hmm. until they get that out. Are, are they, they rolling? Stuff? Are they throwing? Yeah. Figure out what their bodies are telling them because that's what they need to regulate their nervous system and then find an adaptive way for them to do that before bedtime. Mm -hmm. That's what I would do. I would lean into it. Yeah, I think the goal isn't to get them to calm down. It's to <clears throat> express. To purge, purge to get to, to get the other out. side of it. Because yeah. guess what? If you get them to calm down and you kind of suppress it, it's going to pop out at bedtime or it's going to pop out when they're peeing their bed or it's mm -hmm. going to pop out in the morning with a meltdown when they wake up, right? Mm -hmm. So when they're showing you it needs to come out, make that happen mm -hmm. in the best way that you know how. And it's hard. We hear you. Yeah. Someone says, thank you so much. We've downloaded nearly everything from your shop and love your advice so much. Thank you. Thanks. Someone says, my five-year-old has a hard time sharing. What does that circle back combo look like without shaming her to be kind to other people? Mm -hmm. yeah, oh, kid, yeah, that's such a great question. I mean, kids can't be kind to others until they understand their own needs. And this is, we always love how this comes mm -hmm. back to the self-awareness versus socialization conversation. Mm -hmm. Is our priority as parents to socialize our kids to these outer expectations and needs? They know how the world works. Mm -hmm. They know the outer expectations. Or which this is uh, a lot more rare and it's hard for us, but this is what the research shows. Do we want to focus as parents in supporting our kids' self-awareness, the inside before the outside, it right? It sounds so permissive and crazy to say when they're acting this way, when they're being rude, when they won't share, when they're saying mean things, when they're throwing stuff, to turn to them and say, how are you doing? Instead mm -hmm. of this is unacceptable, mm -hmm. right? And every fiber of our being wants to just shut that shit down. Well, and it's scary. It makes mm -hmm. you think, oh my God, they're going to turn into someone who doesn't share, who's literally like not helping friends in the playground, who's not helping um, teammates in college, mm -hmm. who's not helping coworkers. Like that is not good. They're not going to do so well socially if they're not sharing as a five-year-old. That's what hole. we think, yeah. right? But we have to remember that the only way to actually share is to know why you wanted to keep it in the first place to know maybe a little bit of the impact, but the need, we always talk about need and impact. So mm -hmm. the need drives the behavior and the behavior leads to an impact. Mm -hmm. And as society, we focus on the impact, what happened to everybody else because of you and your selfishness, right? Mm -hmm. That's how we, we frame things with kids a lot. But if they're really gonna learn and really see to their own needs adaptively, we have to focus more on the need first. So why did you wanna keep that? What was mm -hmm. up with that truck? You really, they, they were waiting, they were struggling, right? I yeah. had to wait before, that's really tricky. So what made you wanna hold on to it? Yeah. You know, and I think we have to keep validating the fact that they have needs, that they have wants, that that's okay. Mm -hmm. we it's don't, not selfish. We don't wanna raise our kids to be people pleasers who put everybody else's needs in front of their own when they're older. We're all mm -hmm. culturally conditioned to believe that we have to emphasize the external stuff especially, so that our kids don't turn into assholes. Especially little girls. Oh um, man, yeah. Yeah, but I think also that we can, in this way, be busting those binary things. Selfish, mm. right and wrong, nice, mean, all of these things. Win-lose. Win-lose. Can we just be fluid and say, you were really wanting that. You didn't want to let go of it that time. Or we yet. can be flexible and fluid. You wanted to keep it then. And we can just be on that journey exploring with our, our children mm -hmm. instead of being the judge, the jury, the referee, mm -hmm. the hall monitor, the police, we don't mm -hmm. want to police our kids, right? We want to be the sensitive support staff that says, no judgment, babe, I'm on your side. Right. I'm going to be exploring this curiously with you so that when you are in college or an adult and you want to give something up, you're going to say, hmm, why don't I want to give that? Oh yeah, it's my virginity. Maybe I want to hold on to that right? and wait for another person. Whatever it is, why? Should I share my virginity? Should hey. I share my dorm bed? Should I share that proposal I worked so hard on? Mm -hmm. Like. 
all of this translates or, or is someday. This mine? And this is just mine. And I'm going to get curious and explore that and figure right. out where my boundaries are. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't know why I'm talking about virginity as though it's like I love something that. extra precious <laughs> necessarily. But like, if it matters to you, like whatever it matters, and that or that cookie, virginity cookie, whatever, <laughs> cookie, whatever, uh, whatever it is, matters to your five-year-old right now is going to matter to them later. So I think that so often we think of needs, and all of this gets back down to needs. Mm -hmm. Any interaction between two people is about competing needs, and our society says one person's needs have to be met, and another person's needs don't get met. And we have to keep remembering that we can engage our kids in a conversation about needs where no one wins and no one loses, where everybody wins yeah. because they're understanding that the needs talk and the needs focus rather than the impact talk and focus mm -hmm. creates awareness that is actually creating growth and yeah. skills. So saying, so, what did you want to so, do? But you said that circle back. Yeah. What does it look like? So I'm not okay. shaming her about being kind to other people. I would just say exploring, walking through. So you were needing that. Mm -hmm. And then you could say, oh, mm -hmm. they... They were struggling with that. They, did you notice they were kind of crying about it? Mm. No judgment here. Totally. They were, yeah. they seemed upset. I guess they really wanted it. Yeah. And we're just painting a neutral picture of both. We can tell a story. Oh my gosh. I remember this one time I was really <clears> needing <throat> this thing, or I didn't want to let go of the ball, but I needed to pass it to a teammate. And everyone was like, throw the ball. And I was like, no, I would just want to hold <laughs> it. Right. And we can empathize with them through storytelling mm. and say, you know, even without a moral, where then I realized I should have passed it or whatever. You know, just creating that. safety in the feelings of wanting yeah. something and realizing that you getting to keep something means something for someone else. Just creating comfort in that entire situation is mm -hmm. going to help your child build the skills to navigate it ultimately. Yeah, right. Building that context. And I think based on their uh, sensitivity as well, some kids can talk about a situation directly about what happened earlier. Mm -hmm. Other kids will literally be like, la, 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 can't handle this. Mm -hmm. And so you'll have to go at it at a more subtle kind of nuanced angle. But I love angle. that you're being um, thoughtful yeah. about the shame impact That's and saying, oh, I need you to be kind. That wasn't very <clears throat> kind. We don't mm -hmm. have to talk in those words ever with mm -hmm. our kids. We don't have to say even like in a transitional, flexible way, you weren't feeling kind. No, there's no judgment with kids. And then what we can do is model kindness. Mm -hmm. You know what? I didn't actually want to do this thing, but I'm going to do it now because I feel like it would feel good for you. And I'm, I'm feeling a little better about it. You're liking my avocado toast and you want some? Inside, I'm like, I don't okay. want to give her a bite at all. <laughs> it ends up so sloppy and yucky and gross. You know, I, I, I like my avocado toast, but I can tell you really want some. I'm going to share a little bit with you. Or you know. I don't feel like sharing right now. I know you want it. What can we do? What can we do? Right. Right. I love that. Katrina says, oh my God, how did you not give in to the doctors? You are amazing. I've been there and they scare me back down. I, I think we're down, all, yeah. we've all been trained to be scared of authority figures. Where did that come from? Doctors, dentists, hmm. teachers, parents, bosses. grandparents, bosses, right? And uh, only in our mid thirties are we stepping into our power and saying, <laughs> and privilege and privilege. Yes. What am I entitled to, right? Am I going to feel uncomfortable when a nurse is like <sighs> getting all huffy because my kid's not ready for their medicine or whatever yet? No, I'm going to I'm going to prioritize my child, right? My kid's on the slide and someone's getting all huffy, but they won't go down the slide so their kid can do it because they're tired of them whining. I'm not going to get all insecure and fragile about that external either. External expectation. It, it's constantly coming back yeah. to the external versus the internal, right? Mm -hmm. How does this look? How is this impacting everyone? except me. Mm -hmm. well, how can I look for my personal truth and take comfort and trust in that, right. that my child right now is more important than what anyone else thinks and to not give a shit about that. But it's hard to, I love that Kelty. It's hard to prioritize our child's inner experience over the outer expectations when we grew up not prioritizing our own inner experience. Mm -hmm. So here we come in with as parents and we're focusing on everything external as mm -hmm. well, including for ourselves, feeling embarrassed, feeling stressed, feeling mm -hmm. pressured. And then we put that and project that right onto our child and repeat the cycle, right? We don't need mm -hmm. to do that. We're giving you permission to fuck that like cycle mm -hmm. of, of worrying all the time about what other people think and what other people's agenda is. We did this post today on Instagram, kids top responsibilities. So our instinct being a bunch of things like to make us feel proud, meet our expectations, mm -hmm. calm our emotions, impress people, articulate their needs, show a good attitude, learn things quickly, treat us quote unquote respectfully, do everything we say, minimize our stress, express themselves politely, mm -hmm. control their impulses, basically to meet our needs. <clears throat> and our goal of our kids' top responsibilities is to what our freedoms are, which is play, struggle, feel, know, choose, move, 
express, nourish, contribute, and speak. Basically just be the unique, amazing, vulnerable people who are trying to fill their own needs and expectations, not our own. And it was amazing. We posted this a few times and we always get comments from people saying, can I be that too? Mm -hmm. What about me? I want to be that person who isn't focused on saying everything perfectly and fulfilling everyone else's expectations. Can, that, can I be that too with my kid? And I think that's the whole point of, of upbringing in a huge way is saying, yes, we can grow up alongside our kids. We liberate them. They liberate us. We can mm -hmm. all say we can be serving people from a place of authenticity on our terms, right? We can be living and breathing on our terms. What are you doing? I'm just, I'm catching up with everybody here. We've got yeah. a lot of folks. We've got oh a lot boy. of love, which feels good too. I know, I keep seeing hearts, but we don't know who they're from. And questions um, here. Oh gosh, so much going on. Or <laughs> not managing all of this very well here. But um, Blair Guard said, Kelty, thank you for sharing the vulnerable moment with us that, with the out of control song. It was so helpful to read about that experience. We, we did a story today, um, just really quick for people yeah. who maybe didn't see our story on Instagram. Uh, Hannah's daughter slept over at our house. So I had all three of them by myself this morning after six and things got messy and things got a little bit stressful really fast. And the messes were coming and that kind of like, um, devilish feeling energy was starting to run through the house. And I was trying, I was coming to a point where I knew that our Montessori caregiver was going to come for a few hours and get everyone outside. And I was feeling like I was coming up to like a <clears throat> bottleneck of, we need to get some things cleaned up. But Really, when I got clear with myself, it was I haven't put in enough um, organization around Christmas stuff, toys, where things go. The yeah. kids had no fucking clue where to put anything. Yeah. And I was just like, clean this stuff up. Um, and yeah. and I was just, I said something like, I'm really struggling. I'm the only one here. This is me at my most push. I'm the only one here who cares. You guys just keep running and playing and making messes. Thank you. And I've been trying to not use the word mess. Like really, and just say cleaning up work or putting away what you've been playing play stuff or whatever, instead <clears throat> of cleaning up a mess. I've been trying to not use that language because I think it feels derogatory. We can't help but say it in a negative way. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that's what I said. And within about a minute, Hannah's daughter and my daughter were <clears throat> had, a, had a harmonica and Hannah's daughter was singing, TT's out of control. TT, I'm TT. Is that a control? She called it. Totally called it. Uh, and Our kids do not buckle to peer pressure very well. That did not make them want to go clean things up. They felt that energy and mm -hmm. they were like, this is fucked up. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to compensate for this. You know, they didn't have the wherewithal to say, Kelsey, where do you actually want us to put these things? <laughs> or it sounds like you're feeling stressed. How are you? Which right. they totally do sometimes, sometimes they do. Yeah. But today they were like, fuck this shit. I'm, I'm they like back. set up a little stage yeah. with their backs to me. <laughs> yeah. And we're singing the out of control song with the harmonica. And, and I was like, you're right. I'm out of control. I need to go take a break. I need to figure out this organization system, which we did today. It was right. hard. So. <clears throat> that was it. I'm I'm really grateful mm -hmm. that that was felt relevant to you. Mm -hmm. Um I'm grateful. Cleaning up is a big <clears throat> one and we've been struggling with it ourselves. Sensitive for person sure. trigger. Yeah. Yeah. Uh someone says I'm trying to wean my 3-year-old and we set a timer at night for how long she gets to nurse, but as soon as the timer goes off and she has to stop, she goes, "I'm getting up and not going to bed." Mm -hmm. She doesn't cry or anything. She's pretty calm, but I feel stumped. I don't know what to say in response. And there's one other thing that she's this person says, she just goes and watches TV with dad and then eventually comes back at 10 p.m. and goes to sleep with me without nursing. So I don't know how to get her to go to sleep and stay in bed at bedtime. That is such a good question. I would yeah. just say creating a new routine. So it's showing you, she's showing you that the routine that you've been trying to do with a timer and whatever it is, up. time for a little bit of a change up. That's running the resist approach. So the respect step is saying this isn't working, not meeting everyone's expectations. Don't want our kid to go to bed at three at 10 p.m. Let's go back to the drawing board. Back to the drawing board with the bedtime routine. Mm -hmm. Figure out with your partner alone, with a friend, um, figure out what an ideal situation would maybe be. Think of some ideas of other connection opportunities. So to have something after nursing that happens, that you're you're tethering to the nursing, right? With habits and with like routines, you want to have- Start the nursing you, earlier and then do Start books. a little earlier and then you have a book after. You have something that happens after the nursing to keep her there, right? And if she doesn't want to stay there, then that's when you say, this is what we're doing with mm -hmm. it, you know? And you give her, you let her know what the plan is. You run her through. Three-year-old, you make a little book of the nighttime routine. You have a mm -hmm. few little images and you say, it's going to be feel a little different. 
this is I know, I know this is what you've been do doing. This, and then you go watch to you with Papa. <clears throat> Actually, we're not going to do that right. anymore. Papa Here's knows a new plan. to keep the door closed. Not happening. No TV access. He's going right? on a jog now instead of watching TV. Right. He's doing, doing dishes. He's doing something else. Yeah. <laughs> going. Right. Um, so we're doing something else. And then you do the the maybe the fading technique where you say, I'm, okay. So you go through the routine oh and then right. And then you stay by the door and when she comes out, you walk her back in. And so you invest in that. And I know with a three-year-old, a lot of folks, us included, we hit that point where we're like, damn, I can't just tell them what to do when they do it. I can't just put them in a crib anymore. They say they want to do it. I want to be respectful. Like, ah, mm -hmm. I don't know how to set a boundary. I don't know how to find that middle way. And so we talk about that a lot. That's going to be in our upcoming um, challenging behaviors guide, bedtime mm -hmm. issues. So send us um, a DM about it more if you want to chat about it. But I think generally speaking, go back to the drawing board and create a new routine and then follow through lovingly with that routine, right? Based on what you think both of you guys need, right? Mm -hmm. And it might that. take like a few days, a week, right? Where you just keep following up. Maybe your, your husband comes in and does part of the routine. So she gets a little Papa time. So it's not cut off from Papa because she's mm -hmm. used to maybe doing the TV thing mm -hmm. now. But just communicate with this three-year-old. They will understand. Let them have all the feelings about mm -hmm. it. Continue to to not like leave them or lock them in their room necessarily, but just get, leave them at that point, come back in and do the thing again, come back in and do the thing again, mm -hmm. right? Make their room that place where they wind down rather than watching TV. Mm -hmm. That's sounding like that's what you're wanting to and do. And in terms of nursing, you could think of this as a weaning time. Mm -hmm. If you are weaning, maybe you're given a little bit of a bottle or a little cup of milk or something mm -hmm. instead. You could try that change up at the same time or a different time. And all mm -hmm. this, it can be an experiment and just see how it works. Yeah. Um, we really enjoy the Instagram account, The Happy Sleeper. Heather and Julie mm -hmm. wrote a great book by the same name. Mm -hmm. um, and they're really great about all of those sleeping things. They do live <clears throat> Q&As just about all yeah. of those we're things. We're more about like the parent-child relationship saying, let's yeah. have a conversation. Let's get mm -hmm. clear on a new plan. But like all the intricacies of that plan, mm -hmm. they're a great place to go to, to get some ideas about it. Agreed. Someone says, what are some tools and suggestions for communicating with my almost 15 month old? He's so responsive and I want to continue with the foundation of respect I've been trying to build. Yeah. I, I love that. That's wonderful. I mean, I would just continue to run the resist approach. So download the resist approach on our, on our website. I think that, well, go ahead. I, I would use the resist approach when <clears throat> there's resistance, but the rest of the time I would just try to speak respectfully. I would try to offer choices. I would try to ask questions instead of putting in my own opinion about things. I would try to be neutral and nod more than I speak, right? So we're not <clears throat> over dominating their experience. So much we learned from the respectful parenting approach, Rye, about how to interact mm -hmm. with kids while they're playing, um, while they're eating, all of these different things that are definitely woven into our freedoms model. But in the resistance <clears throat> realm, yes, 15-month-old. Well, in 15-month-old, I think remembering what our, mm -hmm. the amount of power we have and at that 15-month-old stage, realizing that they're incredibly dependent on us still and then also trying to individuate and trying to separate and I do it myself, that type mm -hmm. of situation. So honoring that and, and getting comfortable in the dissonance of them continuing to leave and come back and leave and come back and leave and come back. Remembering their perspective of the world, which mm -hmm. is saying, oh my gosh, all of a sudden I have some more agency than I used to. All of a sudden... I'm not mom. Mom's not me. Right. That's, that's actually happening in their brain. They're realizing that theory of mind. Mm -hmm. I was coming in. Ask a lot of questions, right? Mm -hmm. Leave a lot of space for them to think and respond. Follow through lovingly with things that you've told them that isn't safe or that you'd rather they not do. Just follow through lovingly to show them with their bodies. I think 15 month old, you're like, oh, they're understanding a lot more. Right, 80% of what I'm saying to 95% of what I'm saying. Most people don't even realize that. Yeah. It's so amazing. They're, they're, also, they're more in charge of their bodies, right? So I can just explain to them everything I need them to do. No, they still need a loving physical follow through, right? Mm -hmm. So they can learn that. That leads into this next question. Okay. My one-year-old Levi has been picking on our dog, wrestling, kicking, and grabbing his fur to get up onto the couch. I was wondering how I can get them to get along. He loves the dog a lot. Mm -hmm. Aww. We've definitely yeah. talked about this in a handful of other uh, podcast episode and Instagram videos. Um, toddlers with baby sibling, toddlers with dog, toddlers with cat, mm -hmm. right? And it, this ties in so much to what you were just saying, Hannah, about having us to have that loving follow through that at a certain point we think our words must be enough. We can just say, no, thank you. And they should be okay with that. Or mm -hmm. you can't hit the dog or don't bop your baby sister or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that should be enough. And I think that when our kids are mobile, when our kids are getting toward verbal, when our kids can show understanding, we think I should just be able to say it. 
Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that it also ties into this idea of toddler testing. They're testing me. They're climbing up on the this or they're hitting the the dog or they're poking the cat. And I think that we just want to make sure that we're not actually testing them. Mm -hmm. We want to be clear about our expectations and our limits. And we want to follow through lovingly, just like you said, Mm -hmm. Han, when they're unable to manage their impulses or meet those expectations. Mm -hmm. I would say, oh, if this is a problem area, that's a ding ding to us. Okay, dog time or couch time near the dog, that's an issue. So I'm going to be around a little more, right? In the respect right. step, it's I'm up. That's me. I'm not going to put that pressure on my kids. So it's I'm going to be around a little more. Mm-hmm. I see them getting a little closer to the dog and maybe starting to push. Oh, it looks like you're trying to climb up. What are you trying to do? Oh, are you trying to be close to the dog? Are you trying to get up there? Honor that impulse, explore honor, that need. Right, and mm-hmm. we're going to empathize with right. whatever they're saying. If they're freaking out, wigging out, or if they're just doing their thing. We're going to ask some questions. We're going to clarify, okay, this and this. And then that's where we sync up. I hear with you saying this. Is that right? You're just trying to climb up or you're showing me you want to climb up, maybe more of the 12-month-old. And then we sync up with our concern. Instead of don't climb on the couch or don't pull on the dog or whatever it is, which we feel like instinctively to cut off at first, we're going to then say, my concern is that hurts Buster or whoever. Mm-hmm. Or that might, he might not love that. What do you or think? Can you tell that he's maybe a little uncomfortable right now? I'm noticing that he's like pulling away a little bit when you climb up there sometimes. So we're not the dog police. We're right. just this sensitive support staff. We like to say with our little sensitive support staff hat saying, mm-hmm. I'm noticing. I'm side by side with you. I'm helping. We're, we're so in sync right now. I'm you helping you build that awareness, not telling you you're a bad person for trying to get your needs met mm-hmm. based on the skill set you have as a five-year-old or three-year-old. Right? Yeah. So once the sync up step is over, we can innovate. Could you get the stool? What else could we use to climb up here? Oh, you want to pet him. Where's a good place for us to do that? Do you want to climb up first and then I can get him up there and then you can pet him in a kind of a safe, comfy way? What else could we do? And he might just be like, eh, or eh. And then you just kind of guess those things. You offer up your own ideas so mm-hmm. that he's, and leave space between them. So he's learning to think about those things too. <clears throat> and then maybe he's really like, no, must climb dog and destroy to get to couch. Mm-hmm. That's where we go to our summarize step where we might have to set a limit. seems like you're struggling. You still want to climb buster. You're really just like trying to get in there. I totally get that. Right. Or you could just immediately and then follow up with that. Say, Mm -hmm. I got to, I got to stop you from climbing Mm -hmm. on him. That's a little too rough for him. Mm -hmm. You know, a little too rough. Oh, you're grabbing onto Mm -hmm. him. I'm going to help your hands move down. And he needs these things. I'm noticing these things. But this works with siblings. We talk about this often in our sibling guide. This works for a kid who can't stand up out of a plant, a kid who can't put his screen down. It, it's all connected. It's saying, Help. I, re- I respect <laughs> you and your impulse. Tell me about it. Here's my concern. What can we do? And then if that's still not, not working for my expectation and my responsibility to keep things going, which I've already checked, is this really my responsibility? Does this have to happen? Right. I'm going to get in there lovingly with the helpful follow through. Mm-hmm. Right. And then trust that we're doing everything we can, that our kids are growing at the speed they need to. And that when we're able to meet them where they are, they're building skills and we're building skills with them. Right. They're not just knowing what not to do and that their impulses are bad mm-hmm. or not acceptable. They're, they're feeling safe in their impulses and their needs, mm-hmm. right? And then alongside that, they're building skills and connection with us, right? So when they maybe do something that's not the best idea as they get older, they're not thinking immediately correction. Bad choice. Immediately punishment. Immediately <gasps> high no. emotions run the other way. No, thank you. <gasps> right. Exactly. Like us sensitive people. Yeah. If someone said no thanks, thank you to me, I'd be like, oh, God. (laughs) Um, So here's another question. I have a highly sensitive child just shy of two. She's recently started asking to be held, but only in moments our hands are busy and she sees we aren't available. How to respond empathetically? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, Excuse me. I think that's so tricky and I think that it's wonderful that you are considering that she's highly sensitive, that she has needs. You're noticing the times and, and places and moments where she's needing you and where the struggles are rising. And that's part of the respect step of our resist approach is getting clear, taking down notes, noticing patterns. So fantastic job doing that. Um, <clears throat> I would say I would prep her. So in times that you know you're not going to be able to pick her up, I know it sounds like you're just leading her, leading the witness, right? (laughs) To say, just FYI, you're going to need me in a few minutes. But oftentimes I can help prepare them. So you can say in the moment, right before the moment, and this can happen outside the moment. So I'm going to go do the dishes right now. And my hands are going to be (coughs) so soapy. 
and they're going to be all wet and soapy. What are you going to be doing? And then, hey, if you need me, what's something you can do to show me that you need me, right? And kind of start planting some seeds of awareness and comfort around that situation where you're not continually taken uh, by surprise and feeling like, oh, here we are again, vicious cycle, right? So she can have something she's, she's doing or whatever. And then in the moment, let's say she goes at you and really wants to be picked up, this three-year-old sensitive child, when you're doing the dishes or, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> you know, making spaghetti or something. You can say, oh, you're wanting me right now. Mm-hmm. That's just an em- empathized step of our resist approach. You're wanting me right now, right? This is tough. Oh, I know. Look at my hands. They're wet, sloppy monsters. Do you want that on your head? Mm-hmm. And kind of move into like kind of a dive up with an innovate step. Because oftentimes this child knows syncing up, oh, you want me to pick you up. You're I occupied. can't right now. You're you occupied. So you don't want to like negate the feelings too strongly if she's really sensitive. You don't want to be like, but I can't. Right. With, again. with sensitive kids, we oftentimes skip the sync up step, right? And we just move right on to innovate. Can I make this fun? Can mm-hmm. I give her something to do? Could she go draw some bubbles while I'm doing bubbles, mm-hmm. right? Can she go wash her hands in the bathroom while I have my hands wet, right? What can she, can she tear up some paper that looks like noodles, mm-hmm. right? And if she's just, she's not able to innovate and she's just needing you to empathize, stay in that empathize step, right? Mm-hmm. And just keep welcoming all the feelings. Oh, I know it's so hard. You want to hold me. Can you hold my leg right now? Or, and I'm still moving into innovate, right? Or just nodding. Like if you're tapped out mm-hmm. and you just want to be like, just go to your play area or whatever. Shut the fuck up. Just nodding. Just totally. Oh, yes. And we're taking our deep breaths and we're practicing our own self-regulation while we're finishing the dishes really quick or whatever it is. And I'm not sure if you did mention hand the respect step. Does this thing need to happen? Can I go back into the mode of filling her cup really quick, especially before <clears throat> something that I know she might be like, Love I see it. you over there doing that thing. So can we backtrack mm-hmm. and plan for next time? Next mm-hmm. time when I know I have to go do something, that I'm not available, quote unquote, mm-hmm. what what can I do to fill her cup right before? We're going to read a book and then I'm going to say, I would love to read this book to you. And then I'm going to go do the dishes. What are you going to do while I'm doing that? And then we'll reunite so that, that you, mm-hmm. you've planted the we seed. We come together and we read this other book or find me one that you really want, mm-hmm. right? right. So I think a three-year-old also, I'm wondering what your hands are busy doing <laughs> and can you... Uh, two-year-old, can you involve the two-year-old somehow too? I think a two-year-old, you're like, God damn, it's going to be so messy. It's going to be so much more work. Mm -hmm. But if they're just needing that connection, there are ways that you can connect with them that Mm -hmm. aren't like you having to hold them, Mm -hmm. right? So lots of ideas uh, going on with that. That's such a great question. Yeah. A learning tower really helped us. Yeah. It's called a learning tower. It's just like a kind of a, a little stool that's enclosed around the outside that we could pull up to our island or our counter so that the kid could feel connected to what we're doing so we don't have to hold them on our hip the whole time while we're yeah. chopping fucking vegetables or whatever. Yeah. Um, kids love doing laundry or flopping in the laundry or ruining our laundry and that's all valuable too. Yeah. Right? What can you blow off? That's my biggest question. Right? Let's see. We've this got is so helpful. Wrestling on the couch. So good. Someone says, agreed. I don't just say calm down or something inv- invalidating. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's too much too soon. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Got some other little things. Someone says, people, pleasers. Yep, that was on the train of that. Lots mm-hmm. of hearts. Yes, please, always. Five-year-old um, saw a boy at the park, someone says, okay. who, quote, unquote, looked different. I noticed her following him around. I stayed close by. She never said anything to him. At home, I wanted to check in with her curiosity around uh, the boy. She said she didn't like him because his nose was different. I stayed calm because I know she's five, but went on a luxury rant about people, how people are different and judging people um, judging others based on differences. Differences. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a better way to handle it? Oh, it's not okay. <clears throat> oh, is there yeah. a better way to handle it to teach? Oh, that is such sure. a good question. I had um, uh, a person we were working with said their daughter once looked out the car window and said, that woman's butt is so big. Mm-hmm. And the woman or the mom was literally like, oh my God, like my daughter cannot say that. And then like she also was with a neighbor and said, like, I love your black skin and I like, I, it's so fun or something. And it was just like, oh my gosh, objectifying other people, um, talking about them in kind of a binary limiting way. That is so stressful. And I think immediately again, like we've been talking about this whole thing is that we're focusing on the external gaze. What is that going to sound like? What's the impact of that going to be? We have to keep remembering that we're our child's incubator specialist, best friend, helping them to get comfortable and clear and aware of why they're thinking those things and to feel safe in thinking those things. 
And I think oftentimes we can feel tricked because they said those things. So we want to focus on the fact of should they say it, should they not say it. But actually we can um, un unwittingly undermine the feeling and the experience they have. We want our child to go out into the real world and have a feeling or a thought about a person and not feel shame immediately for thinking something. And the problem we have with our kids when we correct what they're thinking and expressing in a safe environment to their attachment figure is we think, oh my God, we got to shut that down. But we're shutting down the feeling they had. So I think that uh, it's so great that you're thinking about that and being like, I want to be sensitive to my five-year-old who is feeling like this, this kid has a weird nose. But guess what? Your five-year-old was fucking amazing. Your five-year-old didn't say to that other child, you have a weird nose. That would have been okay she too. Followed, but still, she followed them around, was interested and intrigued, the case mm -hmm. study, like kind of like follow around, and then came home and had a feeling in it and an expression, which she could put in a journal someday. She could write anonymously on her blog. She could David Sadar's that shit. We don't want to shit. shut down the feeling of a woman, of a woman <clears throat> or girl saying, "I got a vibe from this person," and that's what it's a it's the yeah. heart of it. it. It's because he was different. It's because he looked different than someone she'd seen. Maybe her mood was what was she, like this. But we don't want to shut down the and, impulse of our kids saying, right. "I'm getting a vibe." Right. And she brought that information home to a safe place where she should be able yeah. to unpack that with no judgment, with no shame, with no punishment, with no lecture. And I think that that's our automatic reaction is to say, we've got to counteract that with the lecture of you, everyone's different, all the things, which is so normal, but I would hold off and wait so we don't undermine the, the, the safety that she's created in showing you. She's bringing that home and expressing mm -hmm. that. I would say, oh, what was different about it? I would get curious. How did that feel? What was different? Look at your nose and my nose. What's different about this kid's nose? How what do you think they feel about their nose? What about grandpa? What about grandpa's nose? What about nose? other people we know? I remember somebody's nose. Oh my gosh, everybody's is so different. It's so interesting. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. And then another time, bring in in a circle back or mm -hmm. story or modeling about body uniqueness, right? But don't do it in, to counteract the experience she's bringing yeah. in a safe place like to the, you, yeah. if you can. Sean had said that too, just mm -hmm. model kindness and inclusiveness. Mm -hmm. in other ways that, yeah. that will counteract it, but in a less direct, shamey way. Yeah. But it's so easy easy so for us hard. to launch into that lecture mode, for I sure. I remember when my daughter came home from school and said one of her friends, she didn't like her black kinky hair. And I literally almost had like a heart attack. Mm -hmm. I remember that. And I was just like, I'm getting like tight chested, just uh -huh. being like, oh my God. Because like, to me, that sounds incredibly racist because mm -hmm. I have my parent goggles on, mm -hmm. my privileged white woman goggles on. But to her, she's just expressing this thing. She's testing this water. She's, she's doing these things. She's not saying I need a lesson on, on diversity like, and on diversity, all of those things. I'm just a, a three-year-old saying how I feel about this one thing. And so it was really hard to, to just try and focus on her experience of that and saying, and we yeah. can bring in those stories other times, right? Yeah. Some people are judged based on their hair and skin color. And their crazy? eye color. What? Terrible? Can you believe that? Not right. when we're saying you just fucking did that. <clears throat> But later when we're saying this is part of a bigger systematic right. prejudice. When this isn't counteracting their just random observation yeah. or personal need that was communicated in that way, mm -hmm. when they can feel on board, right? Yeah, and they will be. Yeah. They're like, you're sharing this amazing story. I am totally all about that, even if I was just doing that yesterday. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Someone says, have you ever had a newly three-year-old refuse to poop in the potty? He's very strong-willed with things. He knows he uh, needs to go, but demands a diaper. I want to support him, but I also know he is pushing his will, which is great. I know. Good. I'm glad you know that. I, um, but what do I do when enough is enough? I ask him all the questions about why he won't and just keep saying the same thing. I'll poop in the potty when I'm older like brother. I want a diaper now. Sounds like he's pretty clear on his needs. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love this kid. Same boat, someone yeah. said. He's, he's not Solidarity. ready. Solidarity. <laughs> yeah. He's not ready. Sounds and, like, I mean, readiness is, is multi-pronged when you talk about potty training. It's mm -hmm. emotional readiness. It's physical readiness. It's relational readiness, mm -hmm. right? It's logistical readiness. They're all of these mm -hmm. things like, oh, the toilet's too tall, so can't do it logistically. And cold. And cold. Um, my brother did it at this, this age, or the way you're talking mm -hmm. to me about this feels stressful, so I'm not going to do it psychologically like i don't know it just feels mm -hmm. like a big deal right mm -hmm. physical i can't hold it yet so there's sometimes so many it works different and sometimes it doesn't so many different when i'm stressed it just comes out when it's stressed i don't want to go into that other room i just want to hide behind the couch right mm -hmm. 
there's so many different types of readiness and kids are going to ebb and flow. Think about learning a language, how much ebbing and flowing happens as they learn it. Grammar, you know, um, syntax, syntax, vocabulary, fluency, vocabulary, all these things mm -hmm. happen and they ebb and flow. And so does toilet learning, right? And so you just, I mean, it's so hard and we've both been there with our kids. Our girls like potty trained themselves and our boys, let's just say, did not. It was very different. And we had to be so uh, sensitive to the, the, the instinctual um, drive to shame them and to, control. to move, want to move them forward think, and get our needs met. I think met. we are more on that, I don't want to say permissive, but respectful side of yeah. things. And I think that people who've written books like, for example, Oh Crap Potty Training yeah. is a great book where she is really wonderful in saying, but we're going to move forward this way. Yeah. And I'm going to take your hand and move you this way. And I think that that didn't work as well for my spirited kids who are like, I see your agenda. So I'm going to be like, absolutely not. Um, but for a lot of kids, it does work yeah. um, to be pushing that loving agenda in a really neutral way, but keeping the flow along, <clears throat> keeping everyone right. moving forward. We right? were just working with a family who had a similar issue. Uh, their daughter had um, had a vacation and got gotten constipated mm -hmm. and then had like a tr kind of traumatic re-entry into going to the bathroom on the toilet. And so now, then she was like back to diapers, can't go there anymore. And so we said, what are all the baby steps? Let's break this down into smart goals, this like toilet training thing, mm -hmm. and see how many small steps we can do little by little by little. Can we do it? We help bring their body into the bathroom, mm -hmm. right? Or like we even, at the, before that even, we create an awareness that this is happening, right? Mm -hmm. But they're saying, I have this need, and we again want to show our kids that we're side by side because the more comfortable and the safer and more secure they feel, the more they're likely to collaborate with us, to to move forward, to create um, some growth um, yeah. with it. And potty training is such an issue of consent mm -hmm. and not forcing our kids to do something physical yeah. of, of what, that has to do with their bodies and their self-attunement. And the most we should be doing is asking questions and trying to lovingly push forward the agenda while connecting with their mm -hmm. their own personal boundaries mm -hmm. it's it's a really tricky zone and it's not forever and i think it's hard yeah it really is hard but i think again like any other area in our kids lives that we want them to um assume the responsibility for mm -hmm. and the joy of ultimately we want our kids to poop and love it we want our kids to sleep and love it we want our kids to eat and love it we want our kids to clean groom up. and love it we want our kids to clean up and love it we have to create a positive association around it. Mm -hmm. And we also have to bring them in and say, you know your body best. Mm -hmm. I trust you. And if we trust them, they'll trust their bodies and they'll listen to their bodies. They won't always look to an, again, external source to mm -hmm. say, what should I eat? How should I behave? Mm -hmm. Who should I date? How should I look? All of these things. They'll, they'll have a, that natural questioning hey, how's this resonating with me personally? Yeah. And I also want to state, say that like it's so natural for us in milestones, especially around diapering and toileting and all these things and so many others to say what they were doing it or they were yeah. or my neighbor's kid or my the older son this. Right. And to think about those milestones and just like fuck all that shit. Like we need to look at every kid as their own unique individual that's not only just moving forward in this, but is definitely not going one step forward, two steps back. It's all moving forward, just like mm -hmm. all of our parenting efforts is saying, we're all practicing, we're all progressing, we're all moving along this right. train. There's no mar or ding on mm -hmm. our record. If we decide we need a fucking diaper to poop in, okay? Mm -hmm. Just because maybe physically he's needing that diaper, maybe mm -hmm. he can still cognitively be working through what's next. Love it. So we're still doing diaper stuff, but we're, then we're still talking what's gonna about be our it? next step? Oh, yeah. how's this? I'm modeling, oh, it feels so great in here. Oh, da 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 maybe enlist the other kid to talk about how great they feel on the potty, like, right? Mm -hmm. There's so many other things we can do to prepare the environment and set them up for success that aren't putting pressure on them when they're sh like ready to shit their pants. Like that is not the moment to yeah. be teaching, right? But I, I love that he just, he's, he's saying his truth. He's saying yeah. when he's ready. My, my son was like, no more diaper at night. That's our, our last thing at age four. Yeah. He's like doing the nighttime diaper thing, barely even peeing in it. And he refuses to do it. And almost every single night at some point, he wakes up and comes in and has peed in the bed. And we're just like, we're working it. We're working around the edges. We're talking about it before. We're talking about it after. We're asking Minimizing questions. the liquids. Because <laughs> like, a huge part of yeah. it, right? What else can we be doing that's not putting that pressure, as you said, mm -hmm. on them to comply, to mm -hmm. obey, to tune out instead mm -hmm. of tune in? Right. Last thought just, and this is random, but even like, can he poop in the diaper? And then you go and change him in the bathroom by the toilet. Yeah. Whatever associations you can bring and, and, 
and cue him with mm-hmm. that stuff. And right. you pooped in the diaper, not like pooped in a diaper, you need a diaper. Like you pooped in the diaper, great, let's move into the toilet, let's get mm-hmm. it in there. That's where it needs to be. It's just where poops happen, so let's move right. in there. And right. what can happen in the bathroom to make it more amenable to, to him? You know, mm-hmm. what does what he need? Do? What do you need? We want our kids to think when they struggle and have an internal resistance to taxes, to the gym, to <laughs> dating someone, to a job, to all of these I don't things. Want them to think, what can I do to like dating this person more? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think like what what needs to happen for me to understand to what my curious. needs are to get curious. Yeah. <laughs> but what do I need? Not just for motivation to ultimately do it, but for o- motivation to move forward. What do I need? Not mm-hmm. just to feel an immediate shame response that our needs aren't good enough, and to think and oh that we're not meeting an external expectation. Right. To constantly right. feel like we're fucking failing everybody and everything, mm-hmm. but to say, oh, I've got this need, I've got this resistance. Why don't I want to go to the gym? Mm. And then feel safe in that to, enough to say, so what would I need to do that? Mm-hmm. What do I need to set up for myself and innovate around? I need right? that new headset, or I need my buddy to say, I'm going to the gym and call me to help mm-hmm. me wake up so we're accountable. Mm-hmm. Or I, I need to set a reminder for myself to smart goal this tax stuff a little bit earlier. Like, so what are all the I need things? to make it fun. So I need a new, like, podcast There's to nothing to. wrong with making it fun. And that goes, like, yeah. that taps into our permissive brain. We're like, why do I have to make this fucking fun for our kids? Why? Why do I have to, like, throw a party at Life's bedtime? Life's not fun. <laughs> Life is not fun. Taxes aren't fun. The real world is not fun is where we go in our brains. And a lot of our partners go there in their brains and yeah. say, gosh, we need them to be resilient. We need them to know that the real world is not a cakewalk, mm. right? In, in these moments that we're scaffolding skills, especially around innovation right. and acceptance of their meeting them where they are, we're saying, you can do this. We're the inner voice <clears throat> that is sparking that right now for later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're gonna be that voice for are you. Are we getting cut off now? I think we might. We've got a lot of other ones that we missed. I'm gonna try and screenshot these or something. Uh, so sorry, everyone. This was we wonderful. So, things. Kelsey, you do a little wrap up here. I'm going to just see who we've got here left. We're really grateful that you're here. You're doing <laughs> the work. We're really proud of you. Um, it feels so good coming here and being able to talk about this stuff because we're struggling too. Yeah, you said, okay, yes, I love that. I'm tearing up. I know you're right. I just feel like he only gets more and more stubborn with things. Oh, yes, that is the sensitive spirit and beauty. The, yes. more, the, the stubbornness is our roadmap. The resistance yes. says, Give more agency, give more information, give more connection, give more love, give more patience. Mm -hmm. And everything we've been culturally conditioned to believe says the opposite. It says lay down the law, get more rigid. Maggie, you did not screw that up. It's okay. We've all been there. Oh, launching into lecture mode. Yes, don't worry. Don't worry. And handling a four-year-old that says things like, I don't like you, you're not my best friend. Oh my gosh, DM us and we will bring this up next time. That's such a good one. Yeah, we would just say, welcome all those emotions. Anything our kids throw at us, we can say, that's a valid impulse. And I'm going to translate that. I'm going to translate that. You you weren't feeling good about that. You were uncomfortable. What was Mm -hmm. going on? And, right. and our, our brains are sirening, saying, this can't happen. They need to be right. nice. Why would they say that? Right? right. Um, and instead, we need to just lean into those feelings and, and, and validate them and acknowledge them. Someone else is struggling with their kid when driving. They'll be upset and throw things or scream. I can't breathe through most of it. Find it very stressful. Yes, we are all with you. Oh Same gosh. thing to just welcome those feelings. Work on your self-reg game. Mm-hmm. Do Ooh, the best comprehensive you can. consent had a good oh, um, note earlier that said, Did you ask the dog or ask the baby how they were feeling about their body? And I love that idea of modeling consent, even for nonverbal animals, babies mm-hmm. in our lives. What, how do you think they're feeling? Right? So that could be outside the moment if, if a kid mm-hmm. had climbed on a friend and were struggling. How do you think they were feeling? Or it could be in the moment with someone who, like a dog, can't verbalize how they're feeling. We're gonna get cut off in a second. There's so many good ones here though. Um, What happens when the five-year-old hits the two-year-old? What should I say to the two-year-old? Oh, just say you're struggling. I'm sorry that happened. We always say, I'm sorry that happened. Oh, I'm here for you. I'm here to support you. You didn't like that. That didn't feel good. What Mm -hmm. what do you think they needed? Do a little perspective taking if there's time, right? But check out our sibling guide where we talk about all of that perspective taking, Mm -hmm. that needs versus impact, all of those things. Gosh, you two are so awesome with the word by word examples. Glad those help. This has been such a fun and energizing evening. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Everyone's ladies, you're so generous with your thoughts. We're happy to be here and grateful for all of you. Thank you so much. Thank you all for being here. This means a lot to us. And 
Um, DM us with any other thoughts. We'll try to get to you. We're starting up a membership community. So upbringing.co forward slash join. Um, so join up there to, to learn more information about what's coming. Mm -hmm. Um, so we can really dive into all of this stuff more with a smaller contingent because this gets a little overwhelming with everybody and we're just, we're wanting to connect with you all. Yeah. So yeah, struggling to connect. With yes. Everyone. <laughs> yeah. Um, Thank thanks you. for being here. Thanks for practicing powers beyond control with us mm -hmm. and growing up alongside us mm -hmm. and our kids. Someone says, I hope my kids get their taxes done faster than I do someday, right? <laughs> Someone else says, Seriously. joining. Yes. Okay, good. That's, that's the thing oh, is, right. everyone says, like, can I give my kids what I couldn't have? Um, and that's what we're trying to do. But we can also say it's not too late for us. We can be um, growing up alongside yeah. them, building those skills with them. Yeah. Right. We're all here. We're all together. We're growing up together. We're thinking of you. We're in this together. All the things together. You're doing a good job. Yeah. Even when it feels like you're not. Right? Yeah. Awareness and bravery and effort matter. Yeah. So thanks for being here. All right. We'll talk to you all soon. Mm -hmm.